0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season. And some of the gear that we use takes batteries. Now, you should go visit your local Interstate Battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer. They have Truck batteries. They have batteries for your trail cameras. They have batteries for your rangefinder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment. They have batteries for that. InterstateBatteries.com, awesome company. Check them out.
1: Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 40. Today, we're talking with Alabama public land hunter Seth Minter. We're going to talk about how he transitioned from hunting Texas to hunting alabama and also how he was able to take two solid bucks on back-to-back weekends last season on alabama public land hope you enjoy the show all right guys welcome to the southern ground hunting podcast as i said um, this is episode number 40, and I'm very excited about this episode. I got to tell you guys about my week, though. I um, Last week, we welcomed our second little, little baby into the world. is a beautiful little boy. His name is Hawk Patriot McDonald, and we are absolutely ecstatic. We're so pumped about him. I am just super happy to have a little boy now. We've got a little girl that's two and a half, and she is wonderful, and I absolutely love her to death, but I really wanted to have a little boy as well. Um, I have as, as a lot of you guys know I had a, a great relationship with my dad I still do have a great relationship with my dad and and I was really just I wanted to have that father son bond like my dad had um, and so I'm super excited about about having having this little boy he's awesome but that being said it is uh, it's hard to do a podcast. When you move one week and have a baby the next week, that is a very difficult thing to do. But I'm trying as hard as I can to get this episode out there for you guys um, by the time that you're there, that you're used to listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, but let me tell you this before we get into it. So we had an episode lined up with somebody. I'm not going to tell you who it was because I'm going to try to get it um, rescheduled. For the next episode, but you, we've been in this local legends series, and um, and and I've I had a great episode lined up, but because of the baby and because of just the, the bad timing, uh, we tried to schedule it a couple times, but it just did not work out, and uh, and so I my first priority was being in the hospital and and having that baby, and so that being said, I really wanted to still have an episode this weekend, and so we are going to actually take a break from the local legends series. Um, and, and we're talking to a guy named Seth Minter. Now, Seth is from Alabama, and he he moved, I guess, I think he said about 15 years ago, from Texas, the same area of Texas that I'm from, and, uh, and moved to Alabama. And we're going to talk a little bit about his transition from hunting, leases in Texas, and just the different cultural, the, the cultural differences of hunting in Texas versus hunting in Alabama, and how he was actually able to kill two really good deer on public land here in Alabama last season actually this year it was January of this year uh, on back-to-back weekends on a whim it's a really cool story he went into a random area and uh, I'm not going to give it away because it was actually pretty funny the chain of events that happened that led him to this area so make sure you listen to this We've got a. It's a great episode, and I'm not saying necessarily that Seth does not fit the bill for a local legend. We just don't really talk about a lot of the stuff that we have talked about in the in the previous um, local legend series. So we're going to take a break from that. If you want to count this as local legend series, it definitely could be. Um, but I, 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 we didn't record it with the intention of it being a part of the local legend series. So. Um, I still think you're going to enjoy it. It's very good. It, lots of good information for you guys who are especially starting public land hunting and trying to make that transition from hunting private land and hunting public land and how they're different. Also, if you've moved from a new state, um, if you've moved to a new state, if, you, if you're if you moving from a state that's that's maybe got a little higher deer population like Texas and maybe maybe you've been used to hunting over corn feeders and hunting out of deer blinds and things like that, and now you're transitioning into hunting more public land and hardwoods and really paying attention to um, pinch points and funnels and and hunting big woods type stuff like like we hunt out here. Um, If that's you, this is a great episode. It's got a lot of information. Before we get into it, I want to give a brief shout-out to the guys at Maps. We talk about it a lot in this episode, especially if you are new to hunting public land. Onyx is one of the best tools that you could possibly use. It gives you all of the property lines um, and even has uh, the, the, the landowner name for the private land but the thing I like about it is that you can do like an, a, a high overhead shot of, of a general area of, of a state even and be able to pinpoint the shaded spots that are a different color to find your public land. Um, I, I don't know. I think it shows up the same way on everybody's. But my national forest shows up as a darker shaded green. WMAs show up as a um, like a dotted. It's got like dots on it. It's the same green, but it has like dots on it. Um, and then there's some uh, it's called TVA land here in Alabama. But it actually shows up as like a light tan color on my Onyx map. So I'm able to find these areas by by just zooming all the way out on a big area and i can find these little spots that have the different shades and then zoom in and find new areas that way so if you're new to hunting public land onyx is a tool that you need to be using another tool that you need to be using and it is our next people that i want to give a huge shout out to and that is tethered nation now this weekend i'm going to be at the birmingham deer expo it's the world deer expo and i'm going to actually get to be at the tethered booth the whole weekend working with those guys hopefully greg godfrey is going to be able to be there but uh, i know for sure ernie power is going to be there and a couple other guys walter lee is going to be there hanging out with us and adrian wilson if you know adrian uh, that dude is a crazy guy and he is so much stinking fun there's going to be a bunch of us there at the booth stop by if you listen to this beforehand stop by say hi to us uh, let me know that you listen to the podcast I'd love to meet you guys, but I want to give a a shout out to to those guys because what they have done for the saddle hunting industry has been nothing short of incredible. When I first started talking to Greg Godfrey, it was before um, Tethered was a thing, and actually he came on the show before Tethered was a thing, and I had decided to make the switch. I was going to buy a saddle, a used saddle from somebody. Um, and then shortly after, Greg told me that he was starting Tethered with some of his friends, some other awesome saddle hunters. And uh, he, he told me the ideas, told me everything that was that was going to take place. And from that moment on, it was like the spike in saddle hunting that I saw was absolutely huge. And, and now it's hard to have a conversation about public land hunting and somebody not mention saddle hunting. And that is because of the guys at Tethered. They have done an awesome job. Of I guess you could call it a culture of saddle hunting in the United States. And so um, I, I want you guys to know that's that's truly how I feel. I believe that they have played a huge role in how popular it's become. And, and um, I just really appreciate what those guys are doing. Like I said, we're going to be at the World Deer Expo this weekend. That is the 19th, I think it's the 19th, 20th, and the 21st and uh, of July. So if you're there, come say hi. We'd love to talk to you. All right, guys, I want to get into this episode with Mr. Seth Mentor. All right, guys, on the line now, we have our guest for this week, Mr. Seth Mentor. Seth, how is it going? You're in Texas right now, but you're from Alabama. So how's it going in Texas right now?
2: Uh man, it's going great. It's, uh, it's a little warm, but uh we're having fun, man. We're on vacation and uh swimming in the pool and just having fun with the kids and, you know, nieces and nephews. It's great.
1: That's that's fantastic. I was I was actually raised there. I think you told me you were in uh in Waco where I guess the I guess the humidity level in Waco is a little bit higher than it was uh, than it is in West Texas, but is it is it um pretty pretty scorching right now? Uh it's a little warm. But it's
2: the humidity's not too bad right now. It's uh, definitely a lot lower than Alabama.
1: Yeah, 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 man. Out, well, right now it, it's been raining all day here, but golly, when it, those those hot hot days we had last week, they about killed me, man. They were hot, and we were we were. Uh, bringing our new baby into the into the house and getting him settled in and stuff and my gosh it was it was sweaty. We were all wishing that we could be like him and just sitting around in our underwear all day. Oh, uh, uh, I imagine. <laughs> well, cool. So so Seth, would you give our our listeners kind of a, a little background about you, who you are, what you do for a living and uh where you're from?
2: Uh, well, my name's Seth Meyer, of course. Uh I'm originally from West Texas, a little town called Big Spring, Uh, born and raised there, kind of grew up in Army Brat, so we moved around a little bit, been to Europe and a few other places. Uh, I was graced by the Lord himself to have a a grandfather that was a woodsman and, you know, was really into hunting and fishing and kind of grew up in that whole scene. And uh, actually, both my grandfathers were really really into it uh primarily you know most of my hunting was wing shooting and everything else out in west texas we got to do a little bit of a uh, deer hunt and whatnot in our younger years we uh had a family lease down in southeast texas where uh, i took my first buck uh that was awesome a little uh, a little forky but uh
1: so then, i'm going to uh, interrupt you there we've uh we've never really um discussed on the podcast we've never really talked much about texas hunting and kind of the differences between that and hunting in alabama um so first off did you see that the that there's a possibility i think it's just a possibility right now of opening a sandhill crane season here in alabama
2: uh I'd heard rumor about it. I really hadn't, hadn't got into uh, the details, but I did hear something about them opening up sandhill cranes.
1: Yeah, I I was, I was kind of excited about it. I know, I don't know if you've ever done it before, but out there in, in West Texas, especially where you're from in big spring, you got all those uh, cotton fields and I, I know the, some of the maize fields out there. You just see sandhill crane by like the thousands. Out there, if you go driving the right time of the year, they're all over the place. Did you ever experience that?
2: Uh, yeah, actually, we did. uh Just south of Lubbock, uh, my grandfather on my father's side was a peanut farmer, and we used mm. to go out there and lay down and cover up tumbleweeds on the edge of the, the peanut fields, and shoot a lot of sandhill crane growing up. So they, cool. you know, they they call them the rib of the sky, man, and they're good
1: eating they really are yeah oh yeah i know a lot of guys on there um (laughs) on facebook they were talking about it on the alabama deer hunter page and they were saying how how would you even know what it tastes like how would you even have any idea it's been illegal and it's like man you just go out to texas that's a that's a big deal out there killing those things but um all right so sorry i interrupted you i know i do want to talk a little bit more um, as we go on in the, in the podcast, when we talk about kind of how you got to Alabama and everything, I want to talk about kind of the differences between, um, uh, growing up hunting in Texas and hunting in Alabama, but, um, go ahead and go on with, um, kind of your background.
2: Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a Texas boy, born and raised, uh, born and mostly raised between, uh, Cigarettes, Texas and West, uh big spring texas and you know both them ain't 100 miles apart in west texas
1: uh 100 miles in west texas is uh is not very far either when you got so many towns spread apart as far as they are out there
2: that's right there's like you know two gas stations you know you got one in sea Grades and then one in big springs (laughs) yep we uh we definitely uh make sure your tank's full when you you travel on west texas for oh, yeah. any of the listeners that are, uh, wanting to come visit, but, uh, am just kind of born and raised, man, just simple life, you know, just born and raised, went to work, you know, first job I ever had, I was a ranch hand, uh, working on Circles S farms right there, just north of Big Spring, uh, worked as a ranch hand for a while, got into, uh, a little bit of cotton farming and whatnot, you know, drove a tractor for, uh, for a farmer out there, and uh, just kind of ranching in, you know, Plowboy. And uh went to work in the oil field, actually, and work dried up, and my rig stacked up, and I got a job offer in Alabama, and that's how I ended up there. So I was uh, okay. dating a, uh, a girl at the time that you know, was actually my mom's best friend's daughter. And uh her parents had then moved to Alabama and her stepdad offered me a job when my rig stacked up. I needed money and had a truck payment and we uh we packed up and moved to Alabama. I've been there ever since. It's kind of a sad story. She had a sick uh fibrosis and ended up having a, a double lung transplant and passed away three years afterwards due to injection oh, no. complications and uh was kind of gearing towards moving back out you know towards texas i was thinking more east mm-hmm. texas hill country and uh found a another job there in alabama that paid a little better and you know just was like "Mom, we'll I'm give this a try and i met my current wife and she's an absolute sweetheart if uh she's gonna listen to this she's you know the jewel <laughs> but
1: uh hey man listen i've been doing i've been doing podcasts for a little bit now and my wife still doesn't listen to them <laughs> so yeah well
2: my wife actually likes to uh hunt and fish as well so actually my,
1: that's awesome my hunting
2: buddy is actually my father-in-law so me and my father-in-law are like we have more of a uh a buddy buddy hunting buddy relationship than we do like father-in-law son-in-law so you know me and him hunt together we fish together it's it's awesome we we go camping at the river he, he's with us so i'm i'm blessed to have uh i'm blessed to have in-laws that you know i adore just as much as they adore me it's it's been a true blessing in, in my life so we're uh we're just enjoying it man counting down you know the days till deer season so
1: dude me too me too i'm um... I've been uh, the last, I don't know, I kind of had a little bit of a paternity leave from work. So the last few days I've been like going crazy about my saddle gear. I got some new climbing sticks, the the new Hawk Heliums. I don't know if you've seen those, but.
2: No, I haven't, man, but I'm like chomping at the bit. I want to, I really want to learn more about saddle hunting and everything because like it just sounds like that'd be right up my alley. it is
1: it if you if you hunt public land saddle hunting is is right up your alley like there's just really no um no question about it just it is so much fun i enjoy of course i enjoy tinkering with stuff and i like the kind of a lot of the diy aspects of things in saddle hunting but my goodness dude it is so effective and um and you were you were telling me earlier about using a climber and i was just thinking man somebody needs to get this guy a saddle because it'll change your life um, yeah,
2: and I you know, I've been known to uh you know, just scale up some trees here and there, you know, just depending yeah. on the situation, you know, and, and the type of trees of course, but it's uh you know, kind of adapt and overcome, man, where just like I said, I'm a opportunist when it comes to hunting. I go into a new area, I kinda do some on the ground scouting run and gun. I see some good sign and I just kinda take advantage of the surroundings so
1: let's talk about that for a second so that's a that's a a tactic that i um that i'm a fan of i you, you mentioned in-season scouting um can you kind of can you kind of tell me how you do that and um and how you are i don't know able to kind of put the pieces together a little bit better doing it that way versus say um pre-season scouting or even summer scouting is it is there, is there a reason behind it, or is it just because it's maybe a little more convenient?
2: I'm going to say it's more convenient than anything. Uh, like I said, I have, I have three small children, so I don't get a whole lot of time. Uh, my job's pretty demanding. I work out of the country a lot, and I'm pretty well just tied up at work all the time. And so yeah. when I'm at home... I'm at home, you know, I'm spending time with my wife and my children and, you know, trying to teach my boys, you know, woodsmanship and, you know, hunting skills. And, you know, we're going camping and fishing and, you know, doing the family thing. So I don't have a whole lot of time to actually get out and do any preseason scouting or anything else. So I find an area on a map or, you know, learn about a new area in the woods and I just schedule a hunt and plan it and... I go out there and just hope for the best. We get out there and look around. Like I said, I hunt a lot with my father-in-law. So we, uh, we'll get out there and kind of look at the maps the night before. Meet up in the morning. We'll, we'll head down there and just be like, all right, well, Bill, you go scout this area. I'll go scout this area. And, you know, if we see something promising, we're just going to kind of hunker down and check it out. And it, it, the sign's good enough, then we may go back the next weekend, but it's pretty rare for us to hunt the same spot more than you know two or three times, because we're just, we're mobile hunters. We, until recently, we didn't, you know, have no private land to hunt. Uh, when me and my wife first got married, we actually hunted down in Perry County, Alabama, on my wife's aunt's farm. And, you know, we were able to you know, harvest a few deer down there just for meat, but, you know, nothing nothing for the record books. And uh you know, my father in law back in ninety three won the big buck contest from I can't even think of the hardware store's name. They were doing a a buck contest and he shot a big thirteen point actually right there kinda bessemer Virginia Lines mm-hmm. or Virginia Mines line, uh where old Hercules powder plant used to be back okay. when that was public access. And, uh, he actually, you know, won a rifle with, with that deer. And, wow. uh, he was telling me, he's like, man, he said, yeah, I primarily hunted public land. He said, I know some good places. So when my wife's aunt sold her place, you know, me and my father law just kind of were thrown back into public land and, you know, you're from Texas, you know, there's not a, a whole bunch of public land in Texas. So yeah. we, uh, I didn't know nothing about it and it was like almost culture shock, like hunting in Alabama versus West Texas. Cause you know, as long as I've been hunting, we've been able to hunt over watering holes and shoot them off feeders and, and whatnot, you know, so it's been more like, You just go out there and watch that feeder, and when one comes by, I shoot it.
1: Isn't it crazy? Like, it's crazy how different – I mean, that's West Texas to Coleman, I think, is like – like, I know from Midland, Texas to Coleman, it's like a 1,000 miles almost exactly. And it's crazy how that that amount of distance, a 1,000 miles, deer hunting can be so different. Like, it's just – it's not even the same sport in a lot of ways. Um, They're still the same animal, And you can hunt them a lot the same way, but just the way that the culture is around hunting is so different. And, um, like, I know, uh, you know, in in Texas, especially out west Texas, in the hill country of Texas, high fence hunting is kind of a a way of life for a lot of people. It's not all, you know, um, canned hunts. It's big pieces of land that have have, um, a lot of animals on them, but they're able to manage their herd well. Um, whereas out here in Alabama, a lot of the high fence operations, they are smaller pieces of land and they would be considered kind of a a canned hunt of sorts. Um, but it's just so different in Texas. And then even things like hunting over corn, which is legal now in Alabama. And I think as, um, new generations of hunter of hunters start to get older and I think you get a maybe about a decade, maybe two decades down the road, and it's going to be just become a part of it unless they outlaw it again. I don't you know I don't I don't think they will but if if they if they don't you're going to see a lot of those the culture kind of start to mesh together but right now when I was I mean I guess when I first moved to Alabama maybe 9 years ago um it was I, I was like you man it was just a culture shock I couldn't believe how different it was and um like I said they're the same animal and you you just got to figure out how to hunt them in, in different areas. I know you know, I don't know if uh when I when I was in Georgia, when I lived in Georgia, you could hunt over a corn feeder out there and a lot of times the deer just didn't even care about the corn. Like it was kind of a eh, it's there but they're they're not coming to it. Maybe the does will come to it. The bucks will hit it at night. But out in West right. Texas out in West Texas, you know like if you're sitting in a shooting house deer in the rut in West Texas over a feeder, it doesn't matter yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see bucks if there's bucks in the area you're gonna see them because that's kind of like a main food source
2: oh yeah absolutely absolutely you can set your watch to it yeah you know? yeah I mean they they just they they pattern so easy because I guess just the arid environment and the the lack of you know natural browse for them that you yeah. know, they, they just they automatically they're gonna, they're gonna come into to the feeders just like you know a lab rat to a pillow feeder you know i mean they're just mm-hmm. they're there and uh you know had a lot of success doing that but to me it was just i actually got out of hunting because of that you know there just wasn't the the thrill so i like i pretty well just quit deer hunting there for i don't know six or seven years and actually geared my you know skills in hunting towards hunting wild hog and uh south texas and kind of southeast texas uh even though i was living in you know central west texas i would put you know six eight hundred miles on my truck a week just running trap lines and running my hog dogs and just it was you know some time i got my license when i was 16 you know i saved some money up done some horse trading literally actually Traded a horse for uh, <laughs> for two, Argentine DoGo uh, catch dogs, and a uh, buddy of mine fell on some uh, some rough times and sold me his uh, his mountain car catch dog for a uh, little of nothing, you know. And that is cool. I had a setup man, so we we started. Uh, me and all my buddies, yeah, you know, we just kind of cut out. So, when the weekend came around, you know, we were out of school, we were off work we'd we'd climb up the truck and we'd uh, cut a trail man we'd come down to southeast texas and uh we had a actually my my grandfather and two of my uncles had a lease down there, so we'd just ease down there and go out on the hunting lease and we'd cut them dogs loose and for, you know, the Alabama guys, you know, hog hunting with dogs in West Texas, a lot like coon hunting in Alabama. So we just cut our dogs loose and when, uh, they'd start baying, we'd, we'd cut a trail to them and, you know, we don't use typically guns around your dogs, especially at night. You know, we just have large, uh, blades that we, yeah. uh. Extinguished the animals with so trying to be politically correct there
1: yeah. I know this is a hunting well, podcast but
2: you know in today's age you sure. can't
1: be too careful sure that's that's actually something i've never gotten to do i've killed a lot of hogs in my life but i've never got to um do it uh with dogs and then i you know, i would love to use a blade i think it would be i think it'd be really fun um you know and there is some political correctness i guess maybe that's that's in that i'm sure there's a lot of people who are not for that style of hunting but at the end of the day dude this is a hunting podcast and um it, we're talking about killing animals and as long as it's ethical which a big blade like that is definitely ethical man that's more power to you i think we should i think more people need to be talking about that kind of stuff um, I agree. And setting I agree setting realistic expectations for what it is that we do. I hear so many people say. Uh, I'm gonna go off on a rabbit trail right now. I hear so many people say things like, um, "like harvest," which which I don't. I'm not against the word harvest. I've said it before, but I think it it's it's a nice way of saying kill, but it doesn't actually say kill and I, and I just don't disagree that because because what we do is we kill animals that's what we do it's it's um I mean the bible put it that way <laughs> go out and get some game kill some game that's that's what the bible said like there is so much purity this and this might be going a little bit too deep but in my opinion there is so much purity in death for our consumption like that is how we are designed is how we're designed. Like, there's no argument there. And if somebody were to try to argue with me on that, um, man, I mean, they, they they there is no argument for that because that's what we do. So, anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> I kind of got I, off on a
2: on a know, trail I, there, but I understand, man. I'm with you 100 percent on that too. Uh, there's no no better satisfaction than when you know that you're you're putting meat on the table for your family, you know, that that's nutrients mm-hmm. for your, your wife and, and your children. You know, it's, it's a way of life in our house. And, you know, yes. whether it's, you know, wild hog or venison in my household, it's a staple. We, we try to go to Costco or Walmart or anywhere else like that as little as possible, especially when it comes to buying meat. So we're, right. uh, we're definitely a, uh, a wild game household and that's good. You know, the Lord's blessed us enough, you know, since I've got married and had children that, you know, I can not only go to work and support my family, but, you know, I can go into the woods and, you know, actually a funny thing is, is, you know, I look at my wife, I said, Hey, you know, me and, uh, me and your dad are talking about going grocery shopping this weekend. And, that's code for we're going hunting because (laughs) my boys, you know, they want to get out there with, you know, me and Papa so bad, you know, or Papa. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, I can't really say hunting around too much or, you know, they're, they're wanting to be right up there, especially my youngest one. Uh, my oldest boy is going to be nine and, uh, December, actually his birthday's December nineteenth. Okay. So he's uh he's chomping it's the bit. He's time. been he's, he's been hunting uh he's been hunting with me and uh his grandfather for well, I think the first time I carried him he was four years old, so hadn't been able to make it happen yet, but you know how it is hunting with small children, yeah. you know, they, they can't be quiet or sit still. So and we we do kinda of do a stream is kind of get out there and try to get right up next to the deer in their bedroom and yeah, try to get it done so
1: yes so <laughs> that's a good segue because i want to talk about that i want to talk about alabama public land deer hunting um so so you're from west texas you moved to alabama you have a place a private place to hunt and you were kind of forced into hunting public land dude that sounds almost almost verbatim what happened to me um like that is that's almost this exact same story but um your first year let's talk about your first real exposure into p- hunting public land in alabama what was that like for you how uh, were there were there things that happened that just kind of made you stick with it um uh, were there reasons that you maybe wanted to quit it um how how did it all work
2: uh I would say there was a lot of disappointments but definitely not made me want to quit it. Just made me want to work harder, you know, try to figure it out. I'm uh I'm a mechanic or a service technician by by trade. So I've worked on vehicles and, you know, large mobile mining equipment and oil field equipment and thing, you know, since I was an adult and come into the industry. <clears throat> But uh, not to bore anybody with the details. But you know, I'm I'm a man that wants to be on my tools, and if I can't figure something out, it's gonna drive me crazy. I will <laughs> lose sleep over it. I'll stay up like I'm a go getter. I'm I'm a very motivated person when it comes to figuring out a problem, and yeah, I not being able to get on deer is a problem. So <laughs> we uh. We got a a saying in my household, you know, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. So, you know, if I got any downtime, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong or anything else. So the first two years that I really started deer hunting public land in Alabama was, was tough and we, you know, had to suffer through that, but. I was able to kill a a doe my second year that first season. I was just trying to figure it out. I was like, man, you yeah. know, it almost felt claustrophobic because I'm used to hunting, you know, field edges and little patches of scrub brush here and there out in West Texas. And then, yeah, <laughs> I get to Alabama, and I mean, it's like the, you know these trees are you know like skyscrapers. Like I I didn't know I was I was just thrown into an environment that I didn't understand. I was like, "Well, you got to really, you know, reading a bunch of magazines and everything else." And you know, I'm I'm gonna, you know, if it's okay, I'm gonna throw a shout out to uh, Alabama Outdoors News. It's a good magazine. A lot of useful yeah. information in that magazine. And been a fan of it since I moved to Alabama because the first three or four years I moved to Alabama, I didn't hunt because I was concentrated on work and trying to, you know, build up a household, you know, trying to buy a house instead of rent one and whatnot. But, uh, we, uh, struggled a little bit there, but it was a, it was a fun learning experience. But as far as going into the woods, man, it was a whole different, whole different thing and I just really it made me a better woodsman you know to go in and read signs, yeah. find the trails you know find the food you know identify plants and trees and everything else that you know I'd never really seen before mm-hmm. and just kind of try to get into the to the natural habitat of the deer in that area and it, you know just perseverance paid off I was You know, running random searches on Google and, you know, watching YouTube videos of, you know, people saying, you know, well, this is where you need such trail cameras and whatnot. I was like, well, I'm broke. I can't afford trail cameras, but all right. Well, if that's the place (laughs) I need to go look, I'm going to go try to find a place like that in the woods. And it, it, it really was a learning curve for me. And, uh, like I said, you know, you're from West Texas you understand how spoiled some of us can be out in, uh, in Texas. It's like, you know, Hey, you know, here's you, uh, a shooting house or, you know, a cowboy condo elevated up here and there's a feeder down there and there's a water hole. One walks yeah. by shooting. Yeah.
1: And that's, it, uh, that, that's and I, don't, the way I don't I was raised. to like
2: discount Texas on that. It's just, that's the way, you know, the culture is out here.
1: And right. And, and the fact of the matter is is out there um, no, you know I think human nature doesn't necessarily want to do things the hard way. I think things like your your experience of you know you had to um, kind of kind of figure out the, the differences in the in the terrain and in the, the plants. and then you were also kind of forced into public land by losing a private spot. Um that that's the same thing for me. I I would have never probably done public land had I not been forced into it. I know some people are kind of raised into it. That's just the way their family hunts and there's that advantage, but a lot of guys have you know their their situation in their life kind of leads them to certain ways of doing things. And out in Texas, um while it it is a different style of hunting, they definitely pay for it and they don't have a lot of public land. So, so there are definitely advantages to living in a state like Alabama where you have a lot of public land versus Texas where, you you know, the average guy out there, I remember in high school, um, and and like I told you, I went to a small country high school and people didn't hunt the way that, the way that I did. They didn't love it. My friends didn't love to hunt the way that I did because a lot of them just didn't have the means to do it. And my dad he sacrificed a lot for us to be able to be on a lease and paid a lot of money for us to be able to be on a lease. And so, and, and it wasn't cheap. You know, you're not talking about a couple hundred, $500. You're talking about more like thousands of dollars. And, oh, yeah. and so you're, you're definitely paying for the style of hunt that you, that you're doing out there. And, and I tell a lot of people that Texas is just kind of a deer hunting is a rich man's sport out there. You know, if you don't have some family money or, or family land, then, you know, it's going to be hard for you to find a place to hunt. Whereas out here you do have public land. And so, you know, guys like me and you, Seth, it, it's just, it's just different. We were raised a different way. And, and one way is not better than the other, you know, they're yeah, just, no, they're for, just different. For sure.
2: Because for sure. in West Texas, I mean, you can go up and talk to a farmer or a rancher and just like, you know, and, me and my son or grandson go, you know, bird hunt over your, your hay hayfield or your cornfield or your mace field or whatever, and they're like, "Yeah, man, not a problem, go ahead." But when it comes to deer hunting, you know, I mean, not discounting Texans, I'm I'm a Texan, and three, born and raised, proud to be a Texan. But some people <laughs> can get a little uh, a little weary about, like, I don't know if I want you coming out here uh, shooting up my deer, you know? Cause yeah, they like deer meat just as well as we do. And so it, it it is a transition and hard and I did look out, you know, working for a ranch when, I when I was younger, my, you know, my teenage years, we actually had raised some deer, uh, for some high fence operations okay. and just even, you know, and I'm not going to say we had deer pinned up. We, we really didn't. We had, you know, Fifteen thousand acres that we had literally a handful of deer on we had i don't know maybe sixteen hundred deer, but yeah. you know we'd bring we'd bring those in we'd turn them loose, and then of course they were chipped and and tagged so and we'd go out and collect them up you know with radio collars and we'd we'd run them with uh with dogs to get them out in the open and actually rope them like you would steers wow. after they were bred and turn them off the sale but you know i'm don't have permission from the, the actual ranch owner so i can't mention no names there but he sure. uh he was definitely a a good man and you know the animals were you know well maintained and he made a he made a good living, but he had he had deer out there that I mean he paid mega money for. I mean you know, most people in uh say Hoover, Alabama or you know, they wouldn't spend that much money on a house for one animal. Yeah. Right. And you know, I mean world class trophy deer and uh he had these stud bucks and you know they were all cut loose, and you know hundreds and thousands of bakers just just to live and that was my job was to maintain fences and go out and kind of keep an eye on the herd
1: that's good
2: and uh very rewarding and uh i I learned a lot about you know the way deer act in that that environment, but like I said, I went to Alabama, and it was a whole different game. Like yeah. the deer don't act the same. They don't, you know, pattern. They're just truly wild creatures, man. And it's just, and my, it just blew my mind. So yeah, it, it was definitely a learning curve there. So it took me almost say to really get honed in and trying to successfully hunt deer in Alabama from the time I, I picked my bow back up and my rifle back up and was like, all right, I'm going to hunt because I sold just about everything I had to move to Alabama. Yeah. Once I got back in it, it was, you know, it was tough, man. The first two years were unproductive for most people's standards. But we, uh, you know, the third year and the fourth year had good success. I was able to take several bows and took, you know, several young bucks, you know, not the, the proudest moment in my life, but you know, just trying to put meat in the freezer. Sure. And now we're uh we're back to running a gun like I was in my youth where I don't mind letting a little you know, four point buck walk by or, you know, a two year old or a three year old. And after this this past season, man, I've I've kind of set the bar for myself. So you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to this coming up season just to see what I can't make happen because yeah, I uh, I have some time, you know, with work and being out of country and working and whatnot in the in the evenings after I talk to my wife and my kids, man. I'm I'm studying maps. I'm uh listening to podcasts and. case anybody hadn't heard about it you know the southern ground hunting podcast is a really good one (laughs) to listen to so i enjoy
1: it i appreciate it i appreciate it man um so 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 you talk about talk about maps and and really getting deeply involved in in kind of this this lifestyle because that's what it is you know there's a lot of i know a lot of deer hunters um you know, that, that that I know a lot of people, let's say this, I know a lot of people who hunt. Um, I know very few people who would label themselves deer hunters. And and I kind of think some of the things that, that make that into a lifestyle are the things that you're mentioning, listening to podcasts, studying maps, not just going out there on a whim and saying, oh, I'm going to kill a deer today and putting your camos on and getting out there at 7 o'clock in the morning. That, I, I think that's how a lot of guys are. That's fine. Everybody has different goals for themselves. And um, guys like me and you, and probably the majority of guys that are listening to this, are are the guys who are consistently making things happen and consistently, more than that, consistently trying to get better at what we do, trying to hone in on the craft. And so, so you mentioned looking at maps. And uh, I think, did you say you use the Onyx maps?
2: I do, I do. Uh, I actually learn about on X by listening to the podcast and, uh, actually first time I ever heard about it was I was watching a uh, series on Netflix called uh meat eater yeah. and they mentioned on X maps on there. And I was like, well, I'm gonna check that out and looked them up online. And I was like, Oh, well, 30 bucks a year. That's not bad. So I joined on X and, you know, bought the Alabama state map and just kind of started looking and uh that was actually this past season when i've done that because okay. i really didn't realize how much public land and public access land there is in alabama so we uh and i say we i'm talking about me and my father-in-law he's uh he's up there in years he's 73 but he hunts like he's 33 so <laughs> we uh we get along famously and uh you know, that's, that's open, open new doors for us. So, you know, Onyx is definitely a, a handy tool to have in, in the hunting pack there. You know, it really is. Oh yeah.
1: oh yeah. I agree. It's one of the most important for me. Um, I've been using it now for several years and I didn't realize how much I was missing out on for the majority of my life. <laughs> and well um, me too i'm kind of disappointed
2: that you know you didn't reach out and contact me sooner and let me know about that because it's helped me out a lot
1: (laughs) yeah it man i and i do it like i think i said in the last episode of of the the podcast I, i was like most people get up in the morning and they're looking at facebook like my mind just kind of thinks in topo lines you know like when I close my eyes, sometimes it feels like I'm just uh, all I'm seeing is topo lines because I'm thinking about, okay, where am I going? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be in Kentucky in like 50 days from right now. Where am I gonna be on that first sit? Where am I gonna be really trying to pay attention to? Like that's just what I do, you know. And 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 I think you know that's for a lot of guys, deer hunting is a sport of of luck, you know. And and for most of us, there is a there's definitely an aspect of luck, but you can increase your odds just by being for lack of better words, immersed in into that and really learning and studying things that that maps. There's other there's other good mapping software out there, but um, you know, I use I use Onyx maps because um first off, they support this show and and I appreciate that. And second off because I think it's the absolute best. It is so user friendly and it has changed the way that, that I hunt for sure. Oh so
2: absolutely. Me too. So Me too. You s-
1: so you started using maps, you started using Onyx maps. What were, what were some of the things that stuck out to you um, that you really were able to learn from learning how to use a mapping software like Onyx?
2: Uh, man, you know, you grew up in West Texas, you know, it's pretty flat out there. And yeah. I was just trying to correlate what I was seeing in person Because I would set up, you know, whether it be up in a tree or on the ground, in a shooting house, whatever, you know, private, public, just trying to, you know, wrap my mind around the different style of hunting. And I just kind of really, I was just paying attention to the deer and the deer movement. You know, like, how are they moving? Where are they moving? When are they moving? You know, what's the temperature? What's the, you know humidity the dew point moon phase you know i I mean i was looking everywhere for some answers and i realized that you know they're either going to move you know two-thirds the way up the
1: ridge line
2: or two-thirds to the bottom of it in my experience
1: yep
2: and you know we'll fast forward a few years here but you know this this past season uh, i was able to you know, kill a couple good bucks and uh, put them on the table for the family. But uh, first morning, I went out and one was, you know, walking the bottom of the ridge line. Next morning, you know, well, four mornings later, the other one was watching, you know, and walking the top of the ridge line. And no real trails or, or deer sign there. Just, just kind of kind of happened there was a lot of time in the area but just that's why they wanted to move and i killed one on a west wind and one on a south wind and just kind of played the wind man i just went in it was like what's the wind doing we went there and set up and made it happen i mean i'm
1: wow
2: i'm not as a not as good with my scent control and everything as a lot of really hardcore hunters are. and I'm a diehard hunter, but I wouldn't consider myself a hardcore hunter because I mean, I'm hardcore about it. Cause I do my homework, I do my research, I live it, I breathe it. You know, I just made a 12 hour drive with three kids from Birmingham to Waco. And we were listening to the hunting podcast just about the whole way,
1: you know. <laughs> that's that's my, what my kind of like, life right there.
2: Yeah, you know, we need to we need to look at this, we need to look at that. And I was like, Oh, I agree, and you know, me and my wife are sitting here coming up with strategies. And I <laughs> you know my wife will be the first to tell you I'm a little because, you know, I'm the one that normally gets out and gets to go hunting and I don't give her the opportunity that she's used but she feels like I deserve because, we're a single-income household, and she's like, "You've been out of country. You've been out of town. You've been working. You worked eighty hours this week. If you want to go hunting this weekend, go."
1: So that's a good woman.
2: I'm not going to argue with her. <laughs> yeah, know, don't, she don't, is, don't argue she's, with she's that. The best. She's and the don't best. make
1: her mad, because <laughs> oh no, uh-uh.
2: you need no, to keep doing that. Yeah, she can shoot just as good as I can, so I'm not going to make her mad. That's for sure. <laughs> that's,
1: that's good. That's good. So you kind of hinted a little bit about your, your past season. And that's, uh, and that's really what kind of puts you, I guess, uh, on my radar. If, if that's what you want to call it, Um, you, you posted these two, these pictures of, well, actually you post, posted one picture first. And it's like, my goodness, that is a stud Alabama deer. I wonder if that was on public land and getting to talk to you a little bit more is like, yeah, as a public land deer. And then you posted another picture. And I was like, "Holy freaking crap, man! These things are giant. These are good deer for Alabama. They're good deer for anywhere, um, but especially on Alabama public land." So let's talk about that. I want to hear the story, uh, which I've already heard it, and and I'm I'm very excited. But I, I really want our listeners to hear it because it's kind of a cool story about how you um, how you found found the spot and how you kind of were able to make this thing happen. So uh, just start from the beginning, man. Start from from the time you. Well, I'm just gonna let you start it go ahead
2: all right well uh like i said me and my father-in-law we're uh we're hunting buddies you know i'm blessed to have a father-in-law that's you know as into hunting as i am and i mean he's he's up in age you know, he's 73 still hunts like he's 33 so we were chomping at the bit due to my work we hadn't been able to go out and he didn't go out a whole lot without me just because he's worried about getting back in the woods and not being able to recover the animal. So, we're we're actually heading out to uh, an undisclosed place. I'm not going to mention that to all the listeners here. Uh, But we were actually going for a quota hunt on a WMA. Okay. It was a good day. We We were going out and... We're gonna go hunt a WMA. Well, my father-in-law just come across a new truck, or new to him. He bought a an O three Dodge, and we're we're heading out there. So we lost the water pump on the way, and truck starts overheating. You know, and we're just like, oh man, yeah, you know, we really want to hunt because we hadn't been able to hunt in three weeks, just due to my work schedule. And, uh, we actually pull off the side of the road and are taking water bottles and like pouring in the radiator and it had just rained, you know, a day or two before and there's some standing water in the board ditch on the side of the road. So we're, we're pouring water in the radiator, just trying to make it so we can go hunt. And we're like, well, we'll, we'll worry about getting picked up later. You know, we just need to make it out here. And, uh, it wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening that day. Uh, as fast as we could pour the water in the radiator, it was running out, and I'm I'm looking at Bill, and I'm like, man, you know, this this water pump has literally come apart. So we'd crank it up, it it sucked the water in. I could sit there and watch the pulley, you know, behind the the fan blade just wobble, and I'm like, we we've lost the bearing in the water pump, like it's it's toast. Just shut it down before we burn the truck up. So luckily, then you know. Walk back up to a road and uh, stand there just kind of trying to get cell service, you know, because we had no cell service. And I walk about 200 yards down the road and here comes an older gentleman pulling out and uh, stopped and asked me, He's like, Hey, son, you need any help? I was like, uh, Sir, which way are you heading? He said, I'm heading into Brent. I said, okay. I said, If you don't mind, could you give me a, a ride? As the four-way in Brent so I can get a hold of my wife and have her come pick me up. I said, we just broke down out here. We were going hunting this morning and didn't quite make it. He's like, well, I'm going into Brent right now and, uh, yeah, I'll give you a ride because I'm going to meet some of my friends to go hunt. And this is like three o'clock in the morning. So,
1: <laughs>
2: just, grace of God, you know, a nice older gentleman picked me up and we went. So, I hollered back down, uh, the little, uh, logging road we had pulled off the side of the road, you know, just because the truck was overheating. I hollered back at my father-in-law, I said, hey man, I'm going into Brent. I'll be back in an hour or two to pick you up. So he went back and set with the truck and the guns and, you know, all of our, our equipment went in. While I'm sitting there waiting on my wife to come pick me up in Brent at the four-way at a gas station, uh, I'm downloading the area map on Onyx because I dropped a pin where I, you know, where the truck broke down first right. time I'd ever been out there. So couldn't get hold of my wife. My brother-in-law is actually the one who came, got, got me. And, uh, we went back, got my truck, got the, the trailer and all that. I'm going to have a shout out to Chase Powell for lending me his, uh, car hauler, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, We'd have been <laughs> stuck in the mud, per se, if, uh, if it wasn't for him. We uh were able to go back and recover my follow-on truck and come back in. So, and I downloaded those maps. Well, you yeah, know, it ruined our hunt because that was on a Sunday. And I got to just look at that area map. I was like, oh, well, that, that was National Forest where we broke down. You know, that, that little that little road that cut off the main highway is a logging road and that's national forest land. So I got looking at it and you know, that happened on a Sunday. So Tuesday night I called my father-in-law and I said, man, we need to, we need to go back and go check that place out. It looks really good on map. There's some, there's some good train out there you know, some good mature hardwoods. We need to go back there. He said, man, he said, let's make it happen. Let's go Saturday. I said, let's do it. So, we went back, you know uh, it was Friday or Saturday that we went back. It was new year's day. it was it was January first, so we' go back down there, pull down the same road that he broke out. He broke down at, and we walk in the woods, and it really didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like on the maps. So we're walking. there's a lot of you know younger pines and whatnot. And Bill told me, he said, look, man, I'm going to I'm gonna cut off the road right here. I'm going to walk down here. There's a little hardwood bottom. I said, all right, well, I'm going to keep walking because I just want to see where it is. So that's where my kind of run and gun strategy of in-season, spur of the moment, scouting went. So I kept walking. I jumped two deer on the way.
1: <laughs>
2: and, you know, I heard a doe blow, and I just dropped hit the ground. I hit my knees just like. I wasn't even walking. Waited a few minutes. Heard that doe going down deeper in that holler. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to pull my map out. Looked at Onyx. I was like, all right, well, that that little holler is a drain that goes down into a creek bottom. And what I thought was creek bottom anyway. Walked down there and it's more of a a swampy, you know, hardwood drain creek bottom.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And got down there. And uh I was like, man, this is this is a good looking area right here. I had no no nothing with me. Uh actually at a deer Expo here several years back I bought a little hammock seat that you can just strap around a tree, it has a little post and you sit down at the face of the tree. So I yep. found a little right. prime tree down there, I said. Yeah, wouldn't see no action. Kinda of second guessed myself, so I pack up and I move on up the holler, I don't know, 50, 75 yards. I sit back down, find some better deer sign. And then I can just see, you know, a good hook and a scrape, like dead in front of me, like not 15 feet. I'm like, I'm so in the wrong place. I can't sit right here. So I get up (laughs) and cross that trail horizontally, move on down. I'm walking through knee deep water and I ain't got no muck boots or nothing else on. I've got just, some, you know, sportsman guide, you know, lace up boots on and I'm wet. I'm cold. I walk on down and I sit down, uh, actually found a little flat area. It's kind of muddy, about three inches water standing in. I sit dead in the bottom. I said, it's cold. The thermals are, are blowing down the hill, you know, We're good. We got, we got a good wind to work this, And I just, I sat tight and uh, my wife had bought me a brand new set of binoculars uh, for Christmas. So I'm sitting here reading the the care instructions for uh, my brand new Vortex Diamondback binoculars. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I fold that that up and I stick it back in my, my little bino pouch that she got me with the binoculars. And I see something move out of the corner of my eye to my left and I could tell it was a deer, but it's coming through some switch cane, just coming up the holler, and I'm like, Is that a buck or is that a doe? That's a big doe. That's a big doe. So I you know, ease my rifle up. Of course it's gun season, so I'm rifle hunting. And uh that ducker raises his head up and I'm like, Oh my god. That's that's a good-sized deer. That's a shooter. (laughs) Well, he walked in, and he was 30 yards in front of me and raises up, and I'm shaking like a leaf on a tree. I really am. I'm just like, oh, goodness. Well, he, like, looks towards me and then turns around and walks back the way he came back to my left, and he got off that that cane to where I really couldn't see too good, and there was one little bitty opening. I mean, maybe a foot wide, and he walked out to about 120 yards is what I was guessing by eyesight, and as soon as that shoulder hit, I just let out a little, bang. he stopped, raised the head up, looked back, and I let it fly and dropped him right there. It was was pure. It was beautiful, man. I mean, I was just, I couldn't believe it just happened. And as soon as he so, dropped, you're all so
1: that came.
2: Oh, man, I was, I was, you know, I was shaking like a dog that just swallowed the peep seed. I mean, I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it was on
1: the ground, first time in there. Um, yeah.
2: Just, just blind y- hunt walked in and just, just kind of worked it. That's you insane. Know, just, you know, seen some sign. I seen a little bit of scat and whatnot. And like I said, I'd actually sat down like about 10 or 15 foot from a rub and a scrape. And I'm like, this is the whole place. And uh, it was uh, it was amazing. So That's cool. I was able to get it done that day. And uh, that was on January 1st. So and like I said, I had my father-in-law and I actually had a, a good buddy of mine that, you know, I've known since he was a teenager, uh, when I first moved to Alabama and, you know, he's a few years younger than me, but he's a good friend of mine. I was good friends with his dad before his dad passed away. And, uh, so I walked back out the truck cause I'd done drug this thing like a mile by myself <laughs> and I'm sweating. I done stripped out of my camo, everything. And that's why the picture that I posted on social media, I'm sitting there in a, in an army t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh I was about to out, ask man, you which I, deer which deer was the first deer, and I guess it was that big he's just got long tines. Like, yeah, man, just a big eight point.
2: Just gorgeous man. He's he just big blonde horns, you know, just just wide rack. Yeah. Uh, he was a uh, sixteen and a half inches wide. His brow tines were uh four and three quarter inches tall. I hadn't had him measured yet. He's actually still at the taxidermist Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He's just,
1: he's just got that big frame. Just a big frame. He looks great.
2: Yeah, man. He's, he's beautiful, beautiful animal, beautiful animal. Uh, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit right now. just thinking about it. I can't wait to get back to Alabama and go to the (laughs) taxidermist and be like, Hey man, yeah, is my deer ready?
1: I understand. uh, I got one at the taxidermist right now too.
2: We, uh. We just had a good day. So, like I said, I drug up thing over a mile by myself, and I walked back to the truck, and my father-in-law was like, man, what, what'd you shoot? I heard you shoot. And I was like, man, I didn't shoot nothing. It's kind of a funny story. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, no, no, man, I, I know that was you shooting down there. There ain't nobody else there. I was like, apparently somebody had come in from a from a different access, man. I said, because I didn't shoot nothing. He's like, why ain't you in your camo? I was like, dude, that's a long hike back there, man. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I said, I need to get to the truck. So, I walk up to the truck. I unlock the door, and, you know, I get me a bottle of water out, and I drink it. I sit down there and everything. My buddy, uh, my buddy Chase Powell looks at me and he said, hey, you serious? You didn't shoot nothing?" I said, no, nah, man, I'm just messing with you. I shot a little doe. He's like, oh, well, I figured, because we heard some chops go off. I was like, yeah, man. I said, but, you know, I hiked on back in there a good ways, man. I And I didn't know how far it was. I really didn't until after the hunt. And... I'd actually turn my tracker on, on the honics. When I located the deer, I turned my tracker on and I started dragging the deer back to the truck. Cause I'm just curious. Well, uh, so I, I drug the deer as far as I physically could, man. I just, I couldn't go no more. I was like, I've got to lose this gun. I've got to lose these clothes. I've got to lose everything. Every little bit of weight I could, that deer was 225 pounds is what he weighed on a cotton scale in my driveway <laughs> so <laughs> i was dying
1: <laughs> yeah
2: well uh so anyway you know we i walk out i get a drink of water shed my clothes you know drop all my equipment off at the truck and the three of us are walking back in and they're like oh man yeah and then my father-in-law's you know he's he's hazing me a little bit and he's like yeah yeah He he probably uh probably just a little bitty old doe, you know, that thing probably ain't no bigger than a coyote. I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, well, she's a little bigger than a coyote, you know. We get to walking up the trail, and is laying in a forestry rope, you know. And yeah. all my father-in-law sees is tines sticking up. And he's like, oh, and my buddy didn't see the tines sticking up. So my buddy's like, oh, man, that's a big doe. So he just runs on up there, and... He he grabs that rack, picks it up, he he just kinda of drops the you know, the deer's head and looks back at me and he you know, he called me an a hole and was like, Man, why why are you gonna mess with me <laughs> like that? And I was like, Well, you know, if, it was just too easy. If I'd have told you, you know, I, I had a blood trail and I'd have shot a armadillo, you would have believed me, so <laughs> And then we tried to That's awesome, deer, man. So it was a. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. So actually, you know, I drove that thing out uh, a little over a mile by myself, and then luckily I had helped for the the rest of the the mile and a quarter to get it out because I had walked way back in there, further than what I yeah. knew I'd walked, and didn't realize it until I checked my onyx afterwards. And I was like, man, you know, that deer was over two miles back in the woods. I mean, we killed deer you know, just, just barely legally off of a main road. And then, you know, just a bunch of does and whatnot over the years, but I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, and I just walked that road and it was an easy walk. It was a forestry road. I walked back in there, reached the end of the road, went through a little pine thicket and just dropped down off into a holler. And it was, it was, you know like fake man, that deer was just waiting on yeah. That's the way I felt and it was on cloud nine. So, so my father-in-law so, was a little, uh, he was a little, uh, you know, he, he was, he was happy and proud and everything. So man, we got to go back down there, man. He said, cause you know, if the deer sign and everything's as good as what you're saying, there's gotta be another one in there. I said, yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> we went back the next weekend. So, and that's, when I was able to uh, to bag the second one,
1: <laughs> how did he feel about <laughs> that? How was your father in law feeling? Did he feel like you were maybe garholing him a little bit? Um, how how did that conversation work out?
2: uh well, not really, man. Because uh, we walked in there, I said, all right I said, "Look," I said, "Well, I dropped off, I dropped off this point going down the, you know, and I followed a ridge line going down to that bottom." I said. I dropped off this point right here. I said, and down there, you not, know, yeah, I set up a couple little little times, you know, and just realized I was in the wrong spot. I went and got a good position. I said, that's where I got this one. Well, he's like, all right. Well, you shot that one over here. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk back here. I said, all right, Bill. Well, you can walk back here if you want to. I said, but if I was you, I would just hit straight down this main finger and drop down in that swamp down there. He's like, no, no, I think that's two close. I said, okay, man. You know, you just do what you got to do. You know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to hunt. You know better than I do. You've been hunting a lot more years than I have. He said, yeah, no, no, I think, uh, I think that's going to be a good spot. So he went off down there, and I done like I was trying to get him to do because I was going to go where he was going. And uh, because it kind of it rises. I don't know about 75 foot in elevation where he went and I was going back down about the same elevation that I was at this bottom and I just knew the wind and you know, they were kind of, they were cold mornings, but it was heating up mid sixties during the day. So I was like, well, you know, the thermals going to work better at a bottom like it, it's going to stay colder longer and you know, your scent will just pull around you. And I was like, you know it's kind of a swamp there's a lot of switch cane and everything else down there but you can see just about up to the ridge top so we were sitting like I was sitting in the bottom like dead in the bottom low line as low as, as I could get yeah watching hillsides on both sides of it and uh you yeah. know he walked in you know heard a couple of a couple of guns crack off out in the distance and I was like uh, I think that's close enough for Bill. You know, it sounded like they were out. You know, probably several hundred yards. It's like I know Bill's not probably, you know, four or five hundred yards behind me. And uh, I sat there and within fifteen minutes of one another, and I didn't realize, but after I went back and actually looked at the waypoints on Onyx and drew a distance line as crow flies mm-hmm. between. The first two, I, I killed both those deer within 250 yards of one another in the same yes. swamp. And uh, it it was just, you know, that second one was luck because I got up that morning and was, you know, heading out. My wife woke up and she's like, you and daddy going hunting?" And I said, yes, ma'am, we are. And she said, well, kill a big one. I said, if I do... Or are you going to let me mount it? And she said, well, if you kill one, we'll mount it. I said, okay. So I walk out the door and, <laughs> you know, sure enough, I pull back up at the house and I i got a big smile on my face. She's like, nah, I said, yes, ma'am. And I have a big, you know, three-quarter ton truck, you know, it's lifted. So she stepped out the front door and she can't quite see in the bed of my truck. So we walk out there, I drop the tailgate and there it is. and. The, the actual truck in the picture is the truck that I drive to and from work, you know, and it's a little small half-ton truck, but, uh, you know, I'd already cleaned the deer and everything, that second that second deer, I'd, I'd already cleaned it and had it caked out, and that's when we done the grip and grins there at the house with it, because yeah. my phone was actually dead when I, I come out of the woods, so... It was a it yeah. was a true experience, man. We we have a blast doing it and it's just it's not just a way of life. It's it's who we are, it's that's how we were raised. We just you know, we eat wild game, we we like to get out in the woods, we like to hunt deer and it's it's like a second church to us. You know, because when we're wow. out in the woods, that's that's when you're in God's country. You're you're really connecting with the earth and the animals and everything else. And I know you're out there to do a, a certain duty, and, and you're out there for a reason. Everybody's out there for a reason, but right. it's it's a uh, it's spiritual for us, man. We just we love doing it, and um. So looking forward to this season because uh, both my boys are well enough to, to get out there and do it. Like I said, I've had my oldest son since he was four. My youngest, he's he's been out with me twice, and he just turned six. So I'm getting wow. both my boys out this year, and uh, I got some some good luck and some some good beer, you know, due diligence, homework, and, and a lot of uh, perseverance. And during the cold and whatnot, so I'm, I'm looking forward to teaching my boys on what it takes to to get out there and do it so we're yeah we're blessed and i'm man.
1: i'm i'm the same as you I, it is such a spiritual experience to be out in the woods and enjoying that and really doing what you were created to do i say it at the end of every podcast but uh i say that god gave us dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beasts of the earth and it's our duty to exercise that dominion and um and i I do believe that and so man seth i am super excited that, that we got to have you on the podcast today um man i i hope i hope you have another season that was as successful as last year um i know you said i know you said that it was luck on that second one but man there there is a certain amount of skill that's that's gonna be that's got to be factored in there and so man i hope i hope it goes just as good i hope you have a great season and to our listeners i hope this inspired you if you're having a tough time on public land right now um maybe you're new to it maybe you haven't got into it yet uh I, i just hope that you'll hear um hear the things that seth said you know it's not easy it's not an easy thing but if you put your mind to it, if you put all your blood, sweat, and tears into it, you can be successful in this. And that's why that's why we do this podcast. We do it to inspire, and and that and that's really what we want to do. And and so Seth, I'm super happy that you got to come on the show, man. Thanks so much, and dude. I hope you have good luck this season.
2: Oh man, I'm excited. God, I, I do appreciate you, uh, you know, inviting me on the on the show, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Hopefully, we're gonna. We might be able to, to hook up and do a little networking and uh maybe hunt hunt together one day. Yeah. You know, I'd hey. i love to love to kinda show you around my neck of the woods, so
1: Listen, dude, I you just let me know when we're gonna go on that uh on that that uh logging road that you're talking about and I'll be there.
2: Yeah, man. Well uh you know, I might be able to carry you down to the buck factory. That's my father in law name so we <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, we might be able to we might be able to slip down there. But uh, yeah, man, no, no, for sure. If, if you want to get together this season, man, we can, we can darn sure do it. We really could. So we just, uh, oh, man. you know, not real greedy. I don't want to give away all my spots, but, uh, you know, don't we're, we're not greedy spots. like that, man. We just, we want everybody to have, you know, the experiences we do. Like I said, my, my five walls was lucky enough over his career of, of hunting all these years. He was, he's able to some bruises on the wall and you know i I finally got my first you know big public land alabama book on the wall uh i've done a year amount off some private land at my wife's aunt's place you know i got one mounted from uh from there but we uh man we're we're not cocky we're not you know out there to to impress because i was raised by my granddad and both my granddads actually you know that ain't about the size of the deer it's not about you know the size of the horns because you can't do nothing with the horns but start the chilling so
1: <laughs> that's i like that the
2: way we were raised we're not a uh, we're not real trophy hunters man we're just out there trying to put some food on the table and we just we just love what we do man all
1: right that's going to do it for this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast i cannot tell you guys enough thank you thank you thank you for listening to the show i really really do appreciate it uh every single message every review every facebook message instagram message anything that i get youtube comment um i just i i don't know if you know how much i i appreciate those those messages it is so encouraging every single time one of you guys reaches out and tells me that you listen or you watch on the youtube channel really do appreciate that thank you so much also, a huge thank you to Seth for coming on the show and just talking about his experiences. It can be a very intimidating thing to go from hunting one state to hunting a state um, that is a little bit harder and, and moving to public land. If you guys are new to public land, you understand exactly what I'm saying. It's intimidating and it's hard, but a little bit of hard work and a little bit of studying, and you can um, truly do some incredible things on public land, even in states like Alabama that are more difficult to hunt. And, um, and, and and I'm living proof of that. I, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm just a great hunter, but I put a lot of time into it. And, uh, and I've reaped some awesome rewards for that. So you guys, um, like I said, on the YouTube channel, check that out. If you're interested in learning more about Southern Ground, check out the YouTube channel. That's Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Got a lot of videos. Right now I'm trying to put out about a video every single week. And the last week, it's been really tough because of the baby, of course, but um, I plan to get back into that. Check us out on southerngroundhunting.com. We're going to be doing some more blog posts and things like that. And as always, if you're not subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation Network, please subscribe to that um, and you'll get a ton of great podcasts from awesome, awesome creators like Transition Wild, like Nine Finger Chronicles. Landon Legacy, Hunnivore, there's so many, I can't even name them all, there's so many great content creators on there and podcasters that are producing great content every single week, so subscribe to the Sports Nation Podcast Network. Guys, it is almost time to get into the woods, and I'm getting jacked up, Kentucky is like less than 50 days away, I think, from when I am going to be there, super excited about that. I um, hope you guys are getting jacked up. I've been starting to shoot my bow a little bit more often. Um, getting that dialed in. Getting my climbing sticks painted. I just painted my climbing sticks actually this weekend. I got the new Hawk Heliums. I'm very excited about that. Trying out some new methods. Painting my platform again. Did some cool stuff with that. Did some mods to my fourth arrow camera arm. Just stuff that I do to get me more pumped up. I know you guys are the same way. I know y'all are getting into it as well. So uh, good luck with that guys. Hope you. Hopefully you are... Um, getting pumped up. I know I sure am. Guys, thank you so much for listening again. And remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. I'll talk to you next time.